you, in case you're just joining me, I'm senior pastor of Compass Church in the Wild West Valley of Goodyear, Arizona, graduate of Pepperdine University, Talbot School of Theology, and Dallas Theological Seminary. And so I've just gone to way more school than I care to admit. However, we are always learning, and that is the purpose of this hour. If you want to send me an email, tim at compasschurchaz.com. Today, we are going to talk politics because the Arizona primary is this next Tuesday, so you have to make sure you get out there and vote. Do not be a bum. Do not say you're too busy. Do not fail to read up on the issues. People have bled and died so that you can go to your local school, church, or wherever. We are actually a polling place in our neighborhood because we believe in it so much that we open our doors and have all our neighbors come to our church to vote. So the question today is, what's going on and who are these candidates that we got to look at? Are you a Trump person, a Cruz person, a Kasich person, a Clinton person? Are you feeling the burn of Bernie Sanders? The number to call, because we want to talk to you, is 602-368-3776. Again, 602-368-3776. So make sure you get on the phone and call. I'd love to talk to you about who you are interested in winning this highly contested and highly exciting election. Now, I got to let you know, I don't talk politics at Compass Church where I am the senior pastor because I like to talk about Jesus. But in this case today, we're going to absolutely talk about it here. Now, let me ask you a question. Who are you voting for? Because I'm telling you right now, as I sit here behind this desk, I am undecided. I truly am. I have no idea who I'm voting for. I did until Wednesday when Rubio dropped out, and then I didn't. and But here we have the candidates coming to town. Ted Cruz has a rally tonight with Carly Fiorina, Governor Rick Perry, and Glenn Beck, and that's over at Arizona Christian University. You can go check him out there. Donald Trump has a rally tomorrow with Sean Hannity at the Phoenix Convention Center, and I guess they're hoping there's not going to be brawls or whatever else down there. And um, we'll find out in a few minutes if and where John Kasich's rally will be. But here's the deal. I was at Disneyland this past week with my family. I, it was awesome. I'll talk to you more about that later if I have time. And so I'm, I'm at Disneyland. I'm on the Indiana Jones ride or I'm in line or whatever because you spend most of your time in line when you're over there. And a friend texted me all of a sudden and jolted me back to reality and just said three words, Rubio is out. And then he texted one word with a question mark. And the question, the word was Kasich with a question mark. In other words, let's take another look at John Kasich. Well, what about this guy? Well, anyway, to help me answer that question, I have on the line right now with me, Mike Gonadakis, president of the Ohio Right to Life, www.ohiolife.org. Mike, I took five semesters of Greek in graduate school. Did I get your name right? You did a fantastic job, and my parents would be proud. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for joining me here on 1280KXEG. So before we talk, Kasich, let's talk about you and Ohio Right to Life. You guys aren't just involved in in um, pro-life issues. What other issues are you involved with over there at Ohio Right to Life? Well, I'll tell you, you know, our, our foundation is in the pro-life issues, but we are working tirelessly on issues uh, centering around human trafficking, end-of-life issues, uh, health care for low-income women, and uh, making sure that uh, that those less fortunate, those in the shadows, my friend, um, actually are, are being serviced in our state. Uh, you know, we, we look at ourselves as a holistic organization uh, from womb to tomb, mm-hmm. conception until natural death, uh, the way that Jesus Christ would want us 
mm-hmm. to uh, serve him and to serve others. So we, we do take that, you know, that faith-based approach in all we do, and we're blessed with much success here in Ohio. We owe a lot of that, to, if not all of it, to John Casey. Well, and it's important, too, because obviously abortion is a huge issue, but you mentioned even assisted suicide or end-of-life issues. And, and California, um, it was which is what, the ninth largest economy in the world, it's either that or, or Walmart, one of the two, but they just passed this assisted suicide bill that's supposed to go into effect June 8th. And, and I mean, these are important issues. My question is, why haven't these issues risen more to the forefront in this upcoming election? That's a great question, and I think some of it would have to be, my friend, that uh, the, uh, the Donald Trump has sucked all the oxygen out of the room where we're not unable to talk about these issues, like end-of-life issues. You know, the liberal media will call it um, death with dignity. They try to sanitize these issues, but in fact, mm. it's nothing more than assisted suicide, euthanasia, and the like. But unfortunately, over the past uh, six months, the headlines, every time you turn on the TV or radio or pick up a newspaper, it's Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. And, and we've, been, we've been unable to talk about these issues that are important to all Americans. Right. Now, the governor, Governor Kasich appointed you back in 2012 to the Ohio Medical Board. And at the time, that was a controversial thing for him to do, was it not? It was. Uh, the governor took a lot of grief for doing that, but uh, he did the right thing. And I know I'm biased, but uh, <laughs> he appointed me. But uh, uh, he did the right thing. And we're saving lives on the medical board. We have a huge heroin problem in Ohio. And we had, unfortunately, a tremendous number of doctors, physicians that were prescribing, over-prescribing, and breaking Ohio law that was creating an addiction to Oxycontin and other drugs that then led to heroin use. So um, I've been blessed to be on the board with 11 other members of Ohio community, some doctors, some non-doctors. I serve as the president currently now. And what we're doing here under under Governor Kasich's leadership and guidance is cleaning up our state as it relates to the opioid problems, uh, because once they are addicted on opioids, they turn to heroin when they can't get the uh, expensive oxycontin more. So we could uh, dive deep into that, my friend, but the right. bottom line is we are saving lives and cleaning up the medical uh, profession in Ohio one day at a time, and uh, it's amazing to see the lives we're able to turn around. Well, and as we talk about Governor Kasich, and obviously you're very enthusiastic about him, and i got to ask you right out of the gate, because this is going to help really dictate or, or drive our the rest of our conversation, you and I both know that you've got to have 1,237 Republican delegates to win the nomination. And so the obvious question is, is, is Kasich at this point, why is he still in the race? I mean, Rubio's dropped out. It looks increasingly like a two-person race for the Republican nomination. What is driving Kasich's desire to stay in right now, and, and do you think he has a chance? That's a fantastic question. Here's what I do know. No candidate currently in the race, Cruz, Trump, Kasich, uh, will be able to realistically get to 1,237 by a date of convention in my great state of Ohio, Cleveland. Um, it's, just, it's just not going to happen. So while Donald Trump has 666 delegates today, the odds of him getting to 1,237 are slim, if not non-existent. And obviously that applies to John Kasich and Ted Cruz as well. We'll be very frank and open here with you and your listeners. But here's the fact of the matter is it's okay. But what's supposed to happen at a convention is where all the delegates get together and nominate. Usually in, in elections past, it was already decided by the time we got to convention week or convention mm-hmm. night. So it was a no-brainer. We knew it was going to be Mitt Romney. We knew it was going to be John McCain or George Bush or Ronald Reagan. But now we're going to have a unique opportunity. And i got to tell you, I've been to many conventions in the past in other cities across this country. There are no backroom deals because the fact of the matter is there's going to be thousands of delegates in one building. The cameras are going to be on. The whole world's going to be watching. So, um, you know, there is no, you know, side deals, you know, behind the, behind the screen deals because it's going to happen on the floor. So um, to answer your question specifically, 
I would argue that none of the three candidates have a path to get to that magic number. Now, we can debate who's the closest, sure, but if a cup of coffee costs a dollar, and neither you nor I have a dollar, you might have 75 cents, I have 50 cents. At the end of the day, neither one of us can buy that cup of coffee. Maybe we can pull our, our money together and then go buy the cup and split it, and that's what might happen at the uh, convention in Cleveland. So we're looking at this this contested convention scenario. Um, do we will will the Republicans get behind him? Will this if let's say he somehow is able to pull this off? We've got such a wide spectrum. Why is I, hear, well, I guess the bigger question is why Kasich? I mean, we've got we had so many candidates. We're down to three. Um, why Kasich? Well, first and foremost, I've had a front row seat for the past five years to see how the man. John Kasich governs the state of Ohio because nothing can uh, replace a real experience. And I take nothing away from Donald Trump. He's obviously an amazing businessman. His record speaks for itself. Ted Cruz has done a great job in the United States Senate. But when you actually have to govern and balance budgets and identify, you know, in our state, we had a horrible scare with Ebola a year and a half ago. We had a water crisis in Toledo. We've had many um, crises that put our governor to the test. He's passed them each and every time. He's been on the ballot three times now in Ohio in the past five years, and he's won every time. And as you know, uh, how goes Ohio goes the uh, Republican Party. You cannot become elected president in the, in the United States without winning Ohio. Mitt Romney learned that, John McCain learned that, and so on and so forth. In 2004, President Bush won Ohio by you know very slimmest margins, but he won nonetheless and, and was reelected. So um, from an electability perspective, I would argue, and the polling shows this, you know, forget listening to Mike Donadakis, look at the nonpartisan polling that in a head-to-head matchup, John Kasich does do the best of all the candidates. And I think our goal as Republicans and people of faith is not to win just the nomination, but it's to win the White House back. So if our goal is to make to ensure that, to those listeners that are of our persuasion, that Hillary Clinton is not in the White House, we would argue, well, who's the best person to beat her? And, and all the polling demonstrates it's John Kasich. He wins Ohio. He can win conservative voters. He can win pro-life voters, moderate voters in Ohio. He just passed Tuesday night when he won the Ohio primary. He broke a record for the largest vote total in the history of Ohio GOP politics. No candidate running for primary has ever received as much votes as John Kasich got on Tuesday, March 15th. That means Democrats crossed over and voted for him, independents, moderates. So that's the type of candidate we want, I would argue, to beat Hillary. You're listening to 1280 KXCG. I'm Tim Jacobs speaking with Mike Gonadakis, serves on the served in the Ohio State Medical Board, appointed by Governor Con- John Kasich, a president of Ohio Right to Life. And I guess the the follow up question that though, and I I understand that he does have that more moderate appeal, and, and even getting into some of these issues as we will in a moment. But the but the, the question then, the burning question is then, why hasn't he not performed better in these in the, all the the relative state primaries? That's a great question, and when you have, you know, uh, and we go back to the, the Trump phenomenon, I don't think Jeb Bush, I don't, and, and I'm, I was a big fan of Marco Rubio, too. I was hoping for a Kasich-Rubio ticket, um, I do. I don't think any of the, our candidates, whoever our favorite was at the time, uh, saw a, uh, a Donald Trump coming. So um, John Kasich came in second in New Hampshire. He's coming third in some other states, and, he, and he's not done as well in other states. But at the end of the day, we got Pennsylvania coming up. Uh, we've got New York. We've got Connecticut. We've got other must-win states. Also. California. We, California. We believe John Kasich will perform well in those states. We think he's going to do well in Utah. We'll see about Arizona. He's got. He's still got you know a couple days here to continue to talk to the voters of the great state of Arizona and uh and the like, but you know, I mean, it really is a—it's a, a marathon, not a sprint. So, well, and um, I go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, 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 please, please. I did want to ask you too because I want to make sure that that uh, that people out there know. Is, so, John Kasich, where is he going to have events here in Arizona over the next few days? I believe I know he's in Utah right now. I believe he has something coming up in Arizona. I, I, I would not want to give misinformation, um, but I know as we speak right now, he's in Utah. Um, at an event, and I believe from there he'll be traveling to Arizona. I just, unfortunately, I, I, I can get it to you emailed what his schedule is. I just don't know off the top. Where of can head. people? Can, do you know where people can go to find out if they're interested in learning more about him or going to one of these rallies that he might have? Yeah, I do. And um, if you go to his website, uh, um, John Kasich for President, you'll be able to to there learn about what his schedule is. And obviously, if you follow him on Twitter or Facebook, all of his events are posted there. Eventbrite, they can attend for free, of course there but that i i uh, product of my generation here uh, although i i'm not young anymore i'm 42 married with two kids uh um, i uh i still <laughs> follow twitter so if you follow john Kasich on twitter all the events are, are there on his uh sure page. sure so so here's another question then for you mike why Kasich and not Cruz? i mean they're 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 similar in terms of their appeal to the quote-unquote values voter um obviously Cruz is, is has a lot more steam at this point at least it appears this way in a lot of the you know with the primary outcomes why why Kasich and not Cruz? great question and i take nothing away from senator cruz is he devoutly pro-life absolutely does he is does his values and view, uh, viewpoints probably line up with many of the members of your church absolutely but here's what uh, your listeners and your parishioners need to ask themselves you know when you have two candidates that have share similar views and if you check all the boxes Kasich and cruz have very similar belief systems as it relates to values um and many other things but which one has accomplished these things? Because it, it's easier, it's, it's it's easy to talk about what you want to do, but it's, I think it's very inspiring to say, this is what I've done. And let's talk about what he's done. John Kasich in the past five years has signed 17 pro-life laws on the books. We are at an all-time historic low in the number of reported abortions in the state of Ohio. We've closed over half of our abortion mills in the past five years under John Kasich leadership. We've identified ways to take money away from the abortion industry and give it to community health centers, community action agencies, free clinics, uh, pregnancy centers, where the money should be going, where a vast majority of the women who need help go. So our governor has, um, when, when necessary, he has went up against his, our, our General Assembly, our state house is uh, both dominated by uh, the House and Senate by Republicans. And there's times that he had to fight his own party to ensure that the values for which he believes in as a man of faith, as a believer in Jesus Christ, were were being uh, advanced. So John Kasich has a record, and I think that's so important now because after eight years of President Obama, and I respect the office, and I won't say anything negative, but there was a lot of rhetoric back in 08 about hope and change, and when he came in, I'm not sure that's what we got. Uh, we got a lot of things I think a lot of people um, don't want, but we need to be careful to make sure we elect someone with experience, and that has a record that you can say, okay, for the past five years, what has our candidate that the remaining three been doing? John Kasich has a positive uh, faith-based record that he can rely on, and uh, and it's second to none. No disrespect to Senator Cruz, uh, no disrespect to Donald Trump, but neither of them, neither of their records can compare to what John Kasich's done in Ohio. We're talking with Mike Gunadakis, who is president of uh, Ohio for Life, and uh, he has been um, appointed at the, the on the Ohio State Medical Board by John Kasich. And we are talking about John Kasich. He seems to be the one who's obviously running last right now. However, that does have a, a contingent of people. And I think a lot of people are taking a second look at him, especially now that Rubio is out and trying to figure out if you're not a Trump 
person. Um, you know, you're going to either go cruise or you're kind of taking a, look, a second look at Kasich. And the, the question I want to ask you, because it's interesting to hear you talk because you're, you're saying things, you're, you're, well, you're very polite. And that is something that um, has not necessarily marked this presidential race has been politeness. And uh, yet both you and as well as the governor in the debates and in his public persona and platform have really tried to not get in the mud. Why hasn't that approach, it's, it just seems like even with that, that, that would be something that would be attractive to people. Um, it, it's not really getting the steam that you wish it would. And yet he, for someone who's, who is a Christian, you would think that more Christians would gravitate towards that. But can you explain, is that, is that something that you guys really are trying to focus on is to stay out of the mud or is it just kind of the way that Governor Kasich is? Well, I would say it's the way he is as a human being. He didn't reinvent himself to run for president, and I'm certainly being who I am on the phone with you now. I'm not ready for president, but uh, um, I mean, it, you know, the, the people that have gravitated towards the governor here in Ohio that have stood beside him and worked with him to make lives better for all Ohioans, regardless of their, um, you know, their socioeconomic status, race, creed, or color, is that you know we need to treat people with respect, even those we disagree with, you know, even those that are on the other side of the political aisle, because our, you know it's our command is to love each other, you know, love your neighbor. Um, and love the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and w- if we do that, we can respectfully disagree with each other. So what makes the headlines, what makes the top story on the on the uh, cable news networks? It's screaming and yelling mm-hmm. and fighting and saying horrible things. Well, you know, we're, we're not going to take the low road to get to the highest office in the land. If we're, if the, governor's, I mean, the governor Kasich is going to be who he is, which is a kind, polite uh, person, but th- that's not mistaken that for lack of passion. The passion is there with the governor, um, his belief, he is strong in his beliefs, but he can, you can be strong, you can be passionate, you can be commanding and be a leader, and don't have to be a jerk, for lack of a better term. You can treat people with respect. Right, right, and it's unfortunate because there's guys out there that there's candidates who who've made their their faith a central part of their platform to the point of where if you don't share that same faith you run the risk of feeling you run the risk of alienating those people if you're the candidate because it's like it's such a central part there's other candidates who seem to just you know adopt whatever faith seems to be politically expedient can you talk about um governor Kasich's faith and 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 what how that plays into to his his run for president yeah, you know, absolutely, and he's spoken publicly about this many, many times. He was born Catholic and raised Catholic, and uh, uh, his parents were both uh, tragically killed by a drunk driver uh, when he was in his late twenties, early thirties. And he had a, he had uh, a, and these are his words, mind you, um, you know, a, a, a moment of pause and a reflection of his faith. And um, he is uh, now born again, and. Uh, he, you know, his life changed completely. Obviously, as all of ours would, when losing your parents to a tragedy such as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I will tell you, everything he does is—he still does his Tuesday morning Bible studies. Now he has to do them remotely. Um, where when he when he was here in Ohio, just running our state, and I say that a little tongue in cheek, but just as governor, he um, was every Tuesday morning, no matter what, would have Bible study with the with his group of people. But now on the road, it makes it a little bit different and difficult. But uh, he still attends nonetheless remotely. But everything he does, all of his speeches, whether it's the state of the state speech or anything, he's always invoking his faith and his love of the love for the Lord. Whether it's you know passing the first of its kind that is now duplicated in so many other states, human trafficking laws that uh, help these young women escape this horrific crime. You know he's always invoking his faith, and he does it proudly. And he doesn't do it to win votes. He doesn't do it to to uh, make a statement other than to let 
the voters of Ohio know, and now the voters of, of, of America know that his faith is paramount in the decisions that he makes. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it, he doesn't he doesn't really. I mean, he's open about it, but he he kind of tries to to not make it what he's all about, so as to be somewhat inclusive. That's that's the the vibe that I get. I mean, I didn't really know until I researched him the more some more that he was an Anglican. I didn't really know where he was. I've always liked him when he was on Fox News before, and I know he became governor. And you know, I've always liked him. I just never really knew too much about him. But it's interesting. There's an article that came out in Politico not too long ago that that was entitled "Why Kasich's Religion Is Hurting Him with Concern." Conservatives, and he has been seen as more of a, a moderate on certain things. And so, one of the in the article, it talked about, for example, um, expanding Medicare benefits under the Affordable Care Act and, and justifying that theologically by kind of quoting the the verse that um, that Jesus says, "Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me." And the challenge I have with that is that's kind of the classic liberal scripture that they that every liberal uses to justify the expansion of government and so Mm -hmm. i mean how how do you reconcile that because that's really not going to sit well with a lot of um evangelical voters who who kind of who believe that hey maybe what you did for the least of these was like shrinking government you know and making things easier for businesses and everything else yeah again another great question and um you know, none of these answers are easy. I don't have a canned answer for you, so I'm not going. You're not going to have me just read off a piece of paper here. I've been speaking to you from my heart. I supported the governor. Ohio Rights Life supported the governor. When not, not, we do not support Obamacare, Affordable Care Act, uh, because it has abortion funding in it. But what we did with our Medicaid is we had the poorest of the poor unable to see a doctor. And when I when I gave my opinion to the governor and his senior staff, I said, look. These, we have poor 15, 16, 18, 25-year-old girls that the only place that they can go that they think they're seeing a doctor is Planned Parenthood. If we can actually make sure that they have a real doctor like Mike and Amy Donna, my wife Amy Donadakis has, you know, that maybe they can, we can get them to never walk into a Planned Parenthood. Maybe we can ensure that they have a doctor in health care. There was no other ulterior motive or, or any other belief system to make sure that the force of the poor had access to health care. And by expanding Medicaid in Ohio, and I know it's taboo and people don't like it, but I would just ask, what's the alternative? Well, I mean, and there's no perfect system. Government isn't perfect. The, the good Lord is perfect. And so we have, we're, we're working and living in a broken system to begin with, whether at the state or federal level. But if we didn't accept the Medicaid dollars, are we just going to lock them up? I mean, we had so many people mm-hmm. in jail that um, have mental health issues that now with Medicaid expansion, they can be in front of a doctor as opposed to committing a crime and then sitting in a jail cell, um, which is more expensive to the taxpayer. So I'll let the governor speak for himself as it relates to um, his commentary for his justification. But at the end of the day, what it boils down to is ensuring people have health care. Because unfortunately in Ohio, and I'm assuming this is uh, true with 49 other states, you know, we don't have doctors lining up on every street corner to offer free dental care, health care, uh, you know, uh, mental health care. So, you know, we do have a lot that offer that donate time. Don't get me wrong. I know there's a great charity, charity care, but for the numbers of people, poor people that never had access to a doctor in Ohio that now do, it matters. So, um, and it makes a difference. And the good thing with our governor, if I can just put the fiscal hat on real quick, mm-hmm. we're actually shrinking the cost and size of our government. So while we did accept the Medicaid money in Ohio, no state has uh, been able to revamp their Medicaid system to save as much money as we have in Ohio. So, um, you know, it's a balancing act. You know, we're helping more people, but we're doing it actually at a cheaper cost. 
So at the end of the day, I just, I, I just, in my heart, I believe he did the right thing because we're ensuring that the poorest of the poor can actually see a doctor, and it doesn't matter what zip code they live, if they see a doctor. We're speaking with Mike Gunadakis, a president of Ohio for Life. And if you'd like to call, if you have a question for Mike, do you have, do you have some more time to spend with us? I'm blessed to be on. You tell me how long I have, and I'll stay on. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. 602-368-3776. We are talking politics, and we are talking faith, and we are talking about John Kasich. And a lot of people, I think, are taking a second look at him because Rubio has dropped out. And as I mentioned before, my instant reaction when Rubio dropped out was to ask the question, what about Kasich? And um, the part of it, though, let's go back to this issue of electability because we were talking about the difference between Cruz and Kasich before and and the uh, you talked about record um, but we also have to look at electability and well I think what people have to remember is that you may have a guy that's your favorite and your favorite but we have to ask who is going to win in a general election and as, as we look at the general election um, how do you how are you looking at, at John Kasich I mean what are his odds against Hillary Clinton Thank you so much for asking this question, because this is like the big money shot here to, you know, the bank shot with one second left on the clock and you make it. But <laughs> this is this is one of our best arguments when we go to the convention is, you know, um, the reason why the Democrats are going to elect Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders when the entire base, the millennials and the liberal left, the radical left love Bernie, well, the rest of the Democrat Party knows that he would lose probably all 50 states in a general election to any of our three remaining candidates. So it goes down to electability, and that's why they have superdelegates. They've, they've sort of rigged their system on the Democrat side. Um, but Hillary Clinton will be the nominee because they see her as the most electable. And then the one that gets to appoint the next Supreme Court justice, mind you, or two, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg resigns. But back to your specific question, electability in, on, in a Republican primary versus Hillary if you look no further than Ohio, you know, and again, I'm biased, I'm a Buckeye, I love Ohio State, Get, but Ohio is the epicenter of elections because whoever wins Ohio wins the White House, ultimately, when it's all said and done. And if you look at the voter, the states that we need, I mean, we're losing states. You know, Barack Obama was re- was elected and reelected because, you know, we used to win certain states that we don't win anymore, like Virginia. Colorado is now very iffy. Um, and others, so we can't keep uh, we can't keep having uh, red states turn blue and think we're going to win elections. But what we need to do is stand firm as who we are as a candidate and say this is who I am. This is the pa- the passions and the values of the beliefs I hold. And, and at least in Ohio here, which I think is a great test market for the rest of the country, is John Kasich's able to attract uh, those moderates, those independents, while staying conservative. You know, I I have to, I scratch my head and chuckle, my friend, when I hear. People call John Kasich a moderate because I spent the past five years defending him uh, when Planned Parenthood and liberals would say, John Kasich's the most conservative knuckle-dragger in the history of Ohio policy. So all of a sudden there's this national narrative that he's, that he's moderate. When in fact, if you look at his record, um, he's very conservative and almost seriously conservative as it relates to the pro-life issues and others. But um, Quinnipiac poll, it's a poll that used as the gold standard, at least east of the Mississippi, John Kasich beat Hillary Clinton 58-37 in Ohio. I mean, case closed. You know, we win, we win the White House because we'll, John Kasich will win Texas. Ted Cruz would win Texas, too. Don't get me wrong. And Donald Trump probably would win Texas, too. But Texas isn't the nation. So we need to win more than just Texas. You know, we need Florida um, and other states. So if we can pick up Pennsylvania, just think if, if Republicans win Pennsylvania. 
uh, which they haven't won in many, many cycles. John Kasich was born in Pennsylvania, then moved to Ohio, but um, we think we're going to win Pennsylvania here in the primary. So, Sorry, I'm a, I'm a lawyer too, so I give you long-winded answers. No, no, that's I fine. I, I, yeah, no, it's good. It's good because a lot of it. I mean, I, I'm 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 not an expert politically speaking here. I'm a I'm a pastor. I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a chaplain in the Air Force Reserve, um, and I'm a prodigal radio radio host here. And I <laughs> I'm I'm trying to filter all this stuff out as well because I am a voter, and and as I said earlier, I'm going to the ballot box, and I'm I'm truly honest. I'm not you know I'm I come unconvinced about any of these three candidates to vote for. But what's interesting when we look, Mike, at Arizona is obviously our, our election is, and if you get it right off the, the page, is, is open to Democrat, Republican, or even the Green Party. And there was like five people in the Green Party in Arizona, and they all live in Flagstaff hmm. in, a, in a tent. Okay. But anyway, um, I'm, 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 but anyway, all that to say is, if you're a Republican, you, you in other words, if there's not, you can't vote as an independent in the Republican primary. You know, you have to just be a Republican. So the, the, the challenge is, if you're talking about Kasich having a wider appeal to more than just Republicans, that's something that people have to look at. But the challenge then is just getting that traction because he still seems like such a such a distant third. So let me ask you, going back then to the convention, what is a scenario that could be that could actually put him over the top? Because it's not going to happen before the convention. So is there a scenario at the convention that could put him over the top? Absolutely. And this could apply to Ted Cruz and this could apply to Donald Trump, too, because none of the three will have a 1,237. So when we get to the convention, the current rules, I didn't I didn't create them. I just I just read them that, you know, they'll, they'll go to first ballot. So on the very first ballot, everyone will vote. I'm actually a delegate for John Kasich. He won Ohio um, on Tuesday night. So I actually get to go to the convention no matter what. I'm oh. a delegate there. So wow. uh, pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, really excited. Although, Never met a delegate before. about riots. Yeah, it was really neat. It was an honor. But when I heard uh, Mr. Trump talk about uh, riots, I'm not sure I want to go. But I'm going to go <laughs> and do my duty. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but to answer your question specifically, uh, the first ballot, uh, we'll go to ballot. And if um, Donald Trump gets 1,237 on the floor on uh, Thursday, then, then he's a nominee. He, he, he got the delegates fair and square. But... If we're just reading the tea leaves and we think, you know, and everyone's looking at it right, that at the end of the first ballot, no one's going to get to 1,237 delegates. So then you go to second ballot. According to the rules, everyone's a free agent then after the, after the first ballot. So uh, Ted Cruz's pe- uh, delegates, they could vote for Trump or Kasich, and Kasich could vote for, you know, and vice versa. So if you don't win on the first ballot, you're free to be a free agent. So I could say, well, I'm going to support Ted Cruz and since no one. Or... Um, Ted Cruz delegates from Texas could say, well, we're going to support John Kasich. So, and Marco Rubio has not released his delegates. So if he can go to the convention floor and use his 100, and I think, forgive me, but 160 or 165 delegates he has, um, and he can have ask his delegates to, they don't have to follow him, but he can ask his delegates to please vote for Ted Cruz or please vote for John Kasich or whatever it is. I don't think he'd ask him to vote for Donald Trump, but... Um, because they got into some nasty brawls there along the way. But uh, but so um, in, unless Rubio releases his delegates, which I think he's not going to, I think he wants to have his fingerprint on the convention floor, um, he can ask his delegates on second ballot to do something, too. So it's fascinating. But the neat thing is this. Billions of people are going to be watching it. There's no secret deal behind closed doors. You can't do it. I mean, it's not like there's just five of us and we all walk around the corner behind the uh, black curtain and we all make a deal and then walk back out. Right, in a smoke-filled room, you know. Yeah, impossible. Well, but see, and that's the thing, Mike Gunnadakis, is I think people 
are are afraid that that if it goes to this, that it's going to be. I think Paul Ryan called it World War Three or something like that. That it's going to be something, and then what's going to happen is it's really going to split and fracture the Republican Party. Uh, can you give people a, a different vision of that? Because that everyone's afraid that this contested convention is going to have dire, devastating effects for the Republicans. No, it's not. And, you know, and I and I've met Mr. Ryan, Speaker Ryan, once, and I. I don't want to call into question his motives or why he said what he said, but I thought it was unfortunate for him to say that because when I'm on the, uh, Mike Gonadakis will be on the convention floor in Cleveland, Ohio. Short of someone putting a gun to my head, I'm going to vote the way I want to vote after the first ballot. So um, when I hear these things that, you know, they're, they're going to force people to do, they're not going to force me to do anything. And anyways, you're going to have NBC, ABC, CBS, all the news cameras, New York Times, everyone's going to be there recording every move. So to say that there's going to be these riots, I know there's not. There's, it's, I mean, we're all civilized people. It's not like we're walking in with bats and guns and, and torches and pitchforks. Uh, you know, right. we're all going to be there in suits and ties and we're going to be voting. And, you well, know, and... However, it, Right, and so much of this has been political theater, obviously, and and it's so much designed to bring anger and fear into people's hearts and minds and yeah. everything else to, to drive that. But really the bigger issue, and again, I know that, and this is a program, obviously, that's going to have Republicans and Democrats listening. As a, as a values voter, as someone who obviously is president for uh, for Ohio for Life, president of Ohio for Life, um, you are concerned about pro-life issues, like you said, womb to tomb. You're concerned about everything having to do with the health and sanctity of life from a person from in the womb all the way to to these uh, the whole issue of assisted suicide. So really, yeah. for you, uh, you are concerned that that whatever happens, um, we that that the uh, the person that wins the election is not Hillary Clinton. What yes, would sir. a Hillary Clinton victory mean for Ohio for Life and the, the your organization and the things that you're concerned about? Yeah, and your listeners, I hope, are paying really close attention to this because if Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders wins the White House, I guarantee two. Th- I guarantee two things are going to happen. Um, Ruth Ginsburg will resign, and and one other uh, liberal, uh, maybe Anthony Kennedy, who's a swing vote. He's a, he's in his eighties now. Is going to resign. Hillary Clinton will be able to appoint one, if not two, United States Supreme Court justices, and they're there for life. She appoints someone who's fifty years old. They're there for the next thirty, forty years. The United States Supreme Court is made up of nine men and women, and keep in mind, nine men in 1973 ruled on Roe v. Wade, and since then, 56 million babies have been aborted in the United States. That's the power of the Supreme Court. So while we care about who the president is, it all comes down to who they nominate for the United States Supreme Court. We cannot have a liberal justices that don't share our values on the court appointed for life. Because, get, you know, I keep reminding people, if uh, John McCain, or Mitt Romney would have been elected, I can guarantee one thing. And again, I, I don't make a living guaranteeing, but I can guarantee that Justice Aline Kagan and Justice Sonia Sotomayor would not be on the court right now if if Mitt Romney or John McCain would have got elected. But Barack Obama got elected, and he got to appoint two very liberal justices that I wouldn't willing to believe your your listeners do not share the same values. 602-368-3776 is the number to call if you have a question you want to get on the conversation. We are taking another look at John Kasich this afternoon. As you know, the Arizona primary is coming up on Tuesday. You need to get there, out, get out there and vote. Vote for someone um, that you feel in your heart is going to do the absolute best job, represents your values, but also I think the big issue, too, is electable. Is this person yeah. going 
going to win in the general election. And as I'm speaking with Mike Gunadakis, uh, he is convinced that if we can just get to the convention, that perhaps Governor Kasich would have a shot at securing this nomination. But let me ask you this then, as we get towards the, the end of our interview here, will... If he's elected or if he's chosen as the nominee, you know, you've got all these Trump, you've got a ton of Trump supporters out there and they, they come from every stripe. And it's just been a I, I and I purposely did not want to make this interview about Trump. So I've asked you zero Trump questions um, and, and, and not, no, no disrespect to Trump. It's just that, that, as you said, the oxygen gets kind of sucked out of the room and every conversation like a magnet seems to gravitate towards that direction. But you've got Trump. You've got a very, very passionate Trump supporters. You have passionate Cruz supporters. And will they feel as though they've been duped, that, that the election's been hijacked? And all of a sudden now they they are asked to get behind someone who, whether it's true or not, is perceived as a moderate, at least the most moderate of the group. Will they get behind him or will they sit this one out or will they even get really angry and just go the other way and vote for Hillary Clinton? Excellent, excellent, excellent question. That's a two-part answer for you here. Number one, if Donald Trump is 50 or 60 votes shy of the 1,237, he's earned the nomination. So we're going to go to the floor, and, and, and he should be. I mean, let's fair is fair, okay? Let's get that straight. But uh, if he has only 800 or 850 uh, delegates, then, you know, let's have an open process. I would argue, and I hope this is the case, no crystal ball, but I would argue that if we have an extremely open process on the convention floor and Donald Trump um, is not the nominee or Ted Cruz is, or is not the nominee, the, the two losers, for lack of a better term, um, whoever they are, would, would stand on that convention floor and say, well, we are getting behind. I'm asking all of my supporters in all 50 states to get behind candidate X, whoever that is, uh, instead of taking their ball and going home the night of the convention. But here's how we prevent um, people walking away or being upset or not voting or whatever the case may be, is to have an open convention process where everyone can watch, everyone knows what's going on, and the delegates in the room will make the decision, and we can, and everyone else, my wife, you and your family, if you're not in Cleveland, will be able to watch on TV to see how it's done. And if it's done fairly and it's done appropriately and respectfully, we can stay united as a party. If there's some underhand deal going on, it'll destroy our party. So really, the the issue is that there needs to be that sense of unity that that's an outcome of the convention, and you're hoping that with the delegate support and everything else, that 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 will be enough to convince the the voters to say, okay, we've we've selected this guy, we've selected this ticket, we've got to move on. Absolutely, and I mean we have to as as responsible Americans, you know, as responsible Republicans, responsible conservatives, responsible people of faith. You know, as long as it's done fairly, appropriately. And every, no one feels as if they got duped or uh, someone uh, had something that fair happened to them. Then you know, I mean, you win some, you lose some. Whoever that person is, again, I, I can't predict. I, I know who I hope it is, but I can't predict who's going to be. Um, but as long as it's done in out in the sunshine, out in the open, um, the other two candidates who aren't successful need to stand on that floor and raise the hand of the victor and say, "We're all going to get behind this person." Well, Mike Gunadakis, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, you know, in Ohio, Ohio is a great state. We have so many people from Arizona who live here in Arizona who are from Ohio, a ton of Ohio State fans. There really is kind of an interesting connection out here. So it's very appropriate to to have you on the show with us today. And you are, uh, once again, let's let everyone know, the president of Ohio Right to Life, OhioLife.org, if people want to find out more about your organization. And is there any reason at all that someone living in Arizona should should uh, should go to your website and check out Ohio Right to Life? 
the Arizona Right to Life is great friends of ours. We get along great with them. We, we talk to them all the time. So we would encourage uh, any people that are pro-life, have that pro-life issue in their top two or three, to visit our site, ohiolife.org, see what we're working on. We're passing so many laws, setting trends, and uh, we'd love your prayers and uh, support. Like us on Facebook. And, hey, we don't have a monopoly on all, good, on all the ideas. Give us some ideas and we can help people. So we'll, we'll do that here in Ohio, too. Mike Gunadakis, thank you so much for your time. It's been very enlightening. Obviously, you're very passionate about your governor, and, uh, and that's a refreshing, exciting thing that you can be passionate and not yet lob arrows and bombs uh, at the other guys. And you actually have some very pro um, sentiments as opposed to just always anti the other guys. So, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for what you do for our country, too. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Well, that's been uh, Mike Gonadakis, president of Ohio for Ohio Right to Life, OhioLife.org. Now, listen, do not go anywhere because this program is commercial free this hour. And so I want to talk to you about some stuff, kind of reacting to that whole thing, shifting gears here for a moment. Because, you know, and by the way, if you want to call 602-368-3776, if you want to talk to me, you have reactions to this conversation with Mike, uh, you, want to, you want to talk about your candidate, come on, tell me why Trump is the guy, tell me why Kasich is the guy, tell me why Cruz is the guy, or Clinton for that matter, or if you're feeling the burn, tell me why Bernie Sanders is the guy. I'm, I'm seeing him. I'm seeing some stickers around here, folks. I'm seeing some Feel the Burn stickers. You know, I actually, I it's funny. Trump, the people that are really um, passionate about Trump, I haven't seen a whole lot of stickers on their cars, and I think it's because they like their cars. You know what I mean? Like, they don't want them to get keyed and the windows smashed. Because I really think, like, if I put a Trump sticker on my car, I, th- I would be, be worried about my car. But I actually saw one sticker that said this. It was a picture like a like a silhouette of Trump's um, face with like a big with his hair on top, and it said, "Trump, there'll be hell to pay." But it was toupee, like the like a toupee you wear on your head. <laughs> so, I thought it was awesome. Anyway, I don't even know if it was like a pro-Trump or anti-Trump, but it was it was clever, and obviously he had Trump's name on his car. Now I got to tell you something because. I didn't want to talk to Mike too much about Trump because he's all in for Kasich and I don't want to steer the conversation in that direction all the time. I want him to give a chance to be able to present why John Kasich would be a good, formidable candidate. But here's an interesting story I want to tell you. So three weeks ago, my wife and I went to Miami and we land, we get there like at midnight and it's late and whatever. So we get off the plane and I got to make it and I'm ironically staying at the Trump Hotel right on there in um, Sunny Isles down there. Beautiful spot, by the way. So I have to take a shuttle from the hotel to the, uh, from the airport to the hotel. So I'm hanging around and this shuttle guy shows up. This guy walks up and says, hey, you need a shuttle, blah, blah, blah. Kind of, kind of, you know, promises me he's better than Uber and blah, blah, blah. So we, t- we took a ride and we said, fine. And we got in his van and i Immediately, this guy starts talking politics with me. Now, now get this. He's an immigrant from Nepal. Nepal, that little Asian country way out there and with the, in the Himalayas. And he tells me he's from Nepal. He's only been in this country for, not, you know, I don't know, a dozen years or something like that. Thick accent, holds two master's degrees in logistics and business administration or whatever, MBA. And he's supervising 70 employees in this shuttle business that he's doing as a kind of a full-time job while he's trying to kind of make it in the world. And so we're talking and all of a sudden we start talking about politics and he, and I didn't start the conversation. He did. And he starts talking about Hillary Clinton 
And I'm like, hey, man, I, that's just, she's not, she's not for me. And I said, why, if you're running a business, would you want Hillary Clinton to be president? And then I asked him about um, Cruz, and he said no. And I asked him about Kasich, he said no. And, and I asked him about Rubio, and I thought, I said, why aren't you a Rubio guy? I mean, you're in Florida, and you're an immigrant guy. I mean, shouldn't you be, you're running a business, why shouldn't you be for Rubio? And it was amazing because this guy was convinced that everybody, Republican, Democrat, whatever, they were all bad, and they all needed to go. And so when I asked him, I said, okay, um, if it's Rubio, Clinton, Clinton, who are you going for? He says, Clinton. I said, if it's Cruz, Clinton, who are you going for? He says, Clinton. I said, if it's Trump, Clinton, who are you going for? He says, Trump. Are you serious? I said, are you serious? Are you serious? You, you're going to, the only Republican guy you're going to vote for is Trump. He says, yeah, this is an, an, an immigrant from Nepal driving a shuttle in Miami. I said, why would you do that? He said, it's, it's easy. Because I don't trust any of these guys, but if I have to choose any of the uh, quote unquote, and I don't say establishment because I always people, everyone thinks of Republicans, but any Washington insider, anybody connected with Washington, I'll pick Clinton. But if I can find somebody who's outside of Washington, I'll pick him. And then for me, that's, he says for him, that's Trump. And I was fascinated of the cross-section to which Trump is appealing. Now, I'm not sitting here telling you to vote for at all because I'm not personally a Trump guy. I'm actually no... I, I, I will go into the ballot box on Tuesday and I don't even know what I'm going to do. I really don't. I got to take the weekend and think about it because I was kind of bummed that Rubio didn't make it because I really liked him. But anyway, the point is, this is what hap- is happening. Everyone's scratching their heads going, they don't understand this Trump phenomenon. And there's this, but the reality is there's this perception among people, and I think it's a cross-section. I think it's independents. I think it's some Democrats. I think it's Republicans. There's a certain cross-section of America that just has this temperament that says if they feel like they're getting, they're getting it, uh, they're getting worked over from the man, you know, like the people in power, they just want to stick it to the man. They just want to tell, they just said, we're not going to deal with this anymore. And when there's something in the American psyche and it may not be rational and it may not make a whole lot of sense. It may, and it may totally cross over established political lines, but there's something in the American psyche that says we are, you know, we are mad, madder than mad. And we're just not going to take it anymore. So we're going to find a guy who's going to rupture the whole thing. Now, I don't think Trump can necessarily even do that, but it doesn't matter because these guys, a lot of a lot of people who are Trump supporters, they're not they're not reading Adam Smith or Thomas Jefferson or de Tocqueville. They're not reading. They don't care. And so people are going, they don't understand. Trump's not a conservative. He doesn't. He, he's he just changed his mind on pro-choice. And he, he, you know, was all for Obamacare and yada, yada, yada. And now he's changed his mind and they don't understand. Why aren't they looking at the issues? I'm telling you, people who support Trump, they don't care. What they care about, it's like a totally different dimension. It's like, you know, in that movie Interstellar, when they're like, okay, how do you get from point A to point B? And, you know, you draw a straight line and and everyone was like, wow, but if you take the piece of paper and you fold it in half and then you can put point A and point B together, you know, like this weird kind of, you know... um, another dimensional kind of way of thinking. That's the way this is. This is cutting through a different dimension of understanding that people have about what they want. And some of these issues, quite frankly, I think don't matter to a lot of people. And most of these people have been, not most, but a lot of them have been dormant. And so all of a sudden they're coming up going, I don't know, I don't know about this guy, but I like him. I like him because he's different. They don't even really care about some of the specifics. They just want somebody who is going to, in their minds, 
change the nature of things because we've been doing things this way for too long. Now, I'll tell you, when I first heard that Trump was running and shortly after, I, I watched something about him when apparently he made some comments, I think, on immigration. And there were some organizations that were obviously worried about their bottom line and they had booked some events at Trump locations like his country clubs or whatever, and they pulled out. And so the person on the, I think it was on Fox News, they're asking him, or I think it was CNN, they're asking him, how do you feel that these organizations have pulled out of your establishment because of the things that you've said? And a lot of people would have said, well, I didn't really mean this. And I, I you know, it's unfortunate because I, if they would have just listened. But rather than trying to, you know, pivot and change his statements, he basically said, I don't care if they pull out. Because the fact of the matter is I'm going to keep their security deposit and then I'm going to book somebody else in their spot. And so I'm going to make more money and then they're going to come back next year when all this is blown over because they love my facilities. They love my country clubs. They love my hotels. And they just don't, they're the ones being political. And I remember when I first heard that, and this was long before all the other crazy stuff that he said, but I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. I mean, here's a guy that just doesn't care. You know, he's not beholden to the laws and rules of politeness and making sure that you don't, everyone feels like they have to walk on eggshells these days. And this guy doesn't. And I'm not saying this because I support him. I'm saying this because I'm trying to explain why I think so many people, even evangelicals are drawn to him. That being said, it is very frustrating because the because Donald Trump has said things over and over and over again that are just stupid. They're just stupid. I don't know why you would say these things, and yet people still will follow. And so I think he's realized at this point there's really nothing he can say that's going to get anyone who is a passionate supporter of him to 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 switch. I mean, maybe there's a few, but not enough to really make a difference because he is, um, he's, he cuts this, he cuts this other way. He's using this technique that is very, very, very different. And people believe more than anything else, no matter what he says, no matter how much, and this is a guy, I mean, this is funny stuff. When Marco Rubio teases him about his hands, I mean, at some point you have to sit there and go in his head, is he, is he honestly, he's got to be laughing inside because when Marco Rubio teases him about his hands, what does he do? He, he gets on and says, I don't know why he'd do that. People tell me all the time, you have the most beautiful hands. And I heard that. I'm like, no, they're not. They don't do. No one has ever said that to you, Donald Trump. I promise you, nobody has ever told you you have beautiful hands. That's just, you just made that up. And I think it's just knee jerk. That's just what he does. Someone insults him and he says, oh, they don't say that. And then he comes up with some opposite thing. They think I'm the greatest in the whole world. So it's superlative. It's, it's way out there. It's stuff that's not even true. And I think it's just a game. It's just funny. And the thing is, it works. Now, my, my, my Christian friends who are listening to this, you guys have to ask yourselves a question. If you're going to line up behind this guy, you have to listen to what he's saying. You have to, and you have to take that seriously because the fact of the matter is, yes, and as we talked, as Mike um, talked about earlier, yeah, you could have, th these judicial appointments are really important um, in terms of long term, but they're, look, Obama's been in office for eight years. And, and I was not an Obama supporter, but I have to say in the last eight years, my life personally has been pretty good. I've had a few annoying things, I think, that have come down the pike because of it. But here's the thing, um, and I, I will kind uh, of wrap up with this few moments of, of this, because you have to understand something. At the end of the day, the only person that's fit to lead the human race is Jesus Christ. And until you understand that, 
until we as a people understand that there will be riots in the streets. There will be voting irregularities and confusion or uh, there will be at the ballot box. There will be these funny things that happen and, and all of the accusations of this and that there will be anger and division among the people unless people realize that the only true leader is Jesus Christ. Now, the, I think that this has been exhibit A because the fact of the matter is that it's clear. I mean, out of, I think about this. We have like 320 million people in this country and we have five people left that are, that are the best, quote unquote, qualified of out of 320 million. We got these five people. There's no disrespect to any of them, but are you kidding me? How come nobody else out of the 320 million people has risen up to be stronger or more attractive or at least more appearing to be more capable? I mean, we've, yeah, anyway, but that should be exhibit A to the fact that we were not ever intended as human beings to rule this world perfectly. We're going to be failed people. So when you go to the ballot box on Tuesday, remember that you're not voting for a Messiah. You already have a Messiah. You're voting for the guy or gal that you think can do the best job. And then you move on with your life. You, you, you do your best to love your neighbor as yourself, if, even if they disagree with you. You don't go around and you don't act like a jerk. And by the way, for those of you people on social media, and I'm on social media, I don't post anything political because I've never, ever, ever heard someone get, you know, I was, I was a Trump supporter and then I got on Facebook and then I stopped being a Trump supporter. This is never going to happen. It's like seeing with Christianity. It's like, I was, I was a total non-believer. And then I drove by down on Van Buren and there was a dude with a sign that says I'm going to hell. And I just decided to convert. Like this never happens. It never, ever happens. What happens is loving relationships, engaging people, meeting needs and, and, and having conversation. Why can't we just sit down and have a conversation about this stuff? Why does it have to be so anger filled? And I'm telling you, that's the biggest concern that I have. I don't, I'm not, I'm not really, even, even if Bernie Sanders gets elected, I'm just, I don't worry about this stuff. What I worry about is, is the American people idolizing their leaders to the point where they are willing to divide themselves from their neighbor. That's where we have a problem because we've set up a wonderful system in this country where we don't have a monarchy, where we have failed, flawed individuals just like you and me who rise up and say, I think I can do the best job. That's it. But we govern our own lives, people. We govern our own lives. You're responsible for yourself. You get up in the morning and you do your best to love your neighbor as yourself, to love God over everyone else. That's and, and no leader. Bernie Sanders is going to stop you from doing that. Donald Trump is going to help you to do that. Yes, we have to have governmental systems that that allow things to be able to be um, to, to work well. We do. But at the end of the day, our whole nation is established among the present premise that we don't have an absolute ruler. Now, we can't drift that direction and we shouldn't be drifting that direction. But even now, none of these characters running for president has the ability that many, many other leaders have had throughout the course of history to dominate and control our lives. So we must rise up and take responsibility. I think a lot of people abdicate that responsibility and call themselves victims because they look at the leaders in power and they say, well, I can't do this because of him, because of her. And we can't do that anymore, guys. We've got to be people who say there's one leader, there's one Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
and we fought. And once we get that right, then we just kind of like you know we do our best and we we make the case. And I I I thought that that uh, I I pr- I thought that Mike. Agonadakis did a great job doing that, of making his case for John Kasich, even though I, I don't think he has a shot, maybe at the convention, but I don't think he has a shot. But Mike still stood up and said, this is why I think he's the right guy. So you just got to figure that out. Hey, listen, make sure you go out and vote on Tuesday. I'm Tim Jacobs, and I'm senior pastor of Compass Church. I'm grateful to Mark, the engineer, for Jacob for letting me come on for an hour and, and uh, talk politics with you. We don't talk politics at Compass Church. We talk about Jesus. In fact, we have this really amazing zombie event that we're doing tonight at our church for the high school students, talking about how we're all walking dead, and it's going to be crazy. We got like 100 adults dressed up like zombies chasing high school kids around the property. It's going to be amazing. CompassChurchAZ.com if you want to check that out. You are listening to 1280 KXEG. I'm Tim Jacobs, and I hope you have a fabulous weekend. God bless.